I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey there, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before we get going. So this episode contains discussions of domestic abuse and violence and might not be appropriate for all listeners. If you yourself are someone who is at risk of domestic violence or are dealing with it now, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Facing Evil, a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show and do not represent those of iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV. This podcast contains subject matter which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Facing Evil from Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio. We are your hosts. And of course, I am Yvette Gentile. And I'm Rasha Picarero. And as always, our amazing producer, Trevor Young, is with us here as well. Hello, hello. Aloha. Um, I know we uh, usually use this opening section to talk about things that we've been doing recently Mm -hmm. or just chit chat for a minute. So one of the things I maybe want to start doing is just like talking about cool things we've seen or heard or read about recently. Yeah, love that. And one of those things for me, uh, just kind of like a show recommendation. It's not true crime related. It's just like an amazing show I stumbled upon that I want to uh, promote. I'm not being uh, sponsored by anybody, but... Um, Are you? I just <laughs> sure, think it's a, Trevor? No, no, I'm not. I really, I'm not. Um, I just think it's a great show and it's called The Bear and it's on Hulu. Oh my God, Trevor! <laughs> Do you know about the show? I assume you know about the show. Dude, I binge the whole Gino and I, my husband and I binge the entire season. Nice. And I can't I cannot wait for the next season. It is so good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's great. Um and I kind of wasn't expecting it to be, you know, I heard people online being like, Oh, this is the most realistic representation of like being in a kitchen, working in a kitchen. And I watched like the first few episodes and I was like, yeah, I can see that. This seems like maybe a little over the top at times, especially with like the cousin character who's just like right. a total He's jackass. Hysterical. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I could see how this is like super gritty and realistic. Uh, but then like the last two episodes right. just like really hooked me in. Like the finale especially was just like one of the best like season finales of a show I've seen in a long time. So I agree. Rasha, you have to watch it. Yeah, I have to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, it's great because I mean it's about cooking, but it's also about like all these very interesting people, and it's it, like the kitchen's more just like a background family. Yeah, for like these other bigger emotional family stories that are going on, and 
Uh, they all just like tie together really nicely by the end. I couldn't agree with you more, Trevor. It's so good. It's really fast paced, which I love. My husband was like a little bit like, I don't, I, I don't know if I can. Disoriented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's the point though, right? It's supposed to be a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. I loved it. It was, there was such a, a rawness to it, mm-hmm. you know, and the acting is fantastic. I need to watch it. I've been busy watching Only Murders in the Building. (laughs) All right. Well, that is amazing recommendation, Trevor. So with all of that being said, will you please take us through today's case? They had a romance and he um, stalked her. She became frightened. She never told us he was abusive to her and he killed her. She was so great. She was such a charming, adorable girl. You just can't believe that that somebody would ever want to hurt her. And here we were burying her. The heart of this case was whether or not this was murder or manslaughter. And within that construct was whether or not there was malice, which is necessary for murder, or in the alternative, the killing was in the heat of passion. On the evening of October 30th, 1982, Actor Dominique Dunn was at her house rehearsing scenes from the miniseries V with her co-star. A role in Poltergeist had recently made the 22-year-old actor a star, but their rehearsal was interrupted by a visit from Dominique's ex-boyfriend, John Sweeney. Sweeney had violent tendencies, and their argument outside the house escalated. Dominique's co-star called the police, but when he went outside, he found Dominique lying on the ground unconscious. John Sweeney was kneeling over her. And in that moment, Sweeney reportedly confessed to her murder. But after a bizarre trial, Sweeney was only ever convicted of voluntary manslaughter. And after a short stint in prison, he walked free. And so, what really led to the murder of Dominique Dunn? How did this young promising actor come to be involved with Sweeney? And what led to what many believe to be an infamous miscarriage of justice? It's so sad to me how common stories like Dominique's are, these stories of women being abused by their life partners. And I know, you know, people of all genders experience abuse, but it's it's definitely heavier on, you know, the female presenting side. And I had no idea until we were doing research for this case that her killer only served a few years in prison. Like, yeah. do you remember when this happened, Yvette? Um, I mean, I, I remember, I, I, I should say, I remember Dominique, you know, from Poltergeist because I was in 10th grade and that was such a, mm-hmm. you know, a huge movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember always being afraid to turn the TV on. And if it started fuzzing up, I was like, <laughs> oh shit, what's going to happen? But um, I did not know, you know, and we'll get into that later, you know, in the show about, you know, how much time this man actually served for mm-hmm. killing you know, Dominique, it's, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. I didn't know anything really about this case until maybe a couple months ago when we first started researching and looking into it and man, what a horrible way for this to end. You know, I mean, all mm-hmm. of it is horrible, but um, particularly just like the trial part of this, I think was the most shocking part for me. Yeah. 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 But I mean, looking into it, it was clear, I think, from the very beginning that, you know, John Sweeney was a very violent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we'll learn, he even abused partners before Dominique. 
And like Rasha was saying, I mean, especially in, you know, places like Hollywood, this sort of thing happens just like all the time. Yeah, that, that's right, Trevor. And here is a sobering statistic for you. In 2017, 87,000 women around the world were killed intentionally. Mm. And more than half of those women, a full 58% of them, were killed by intimate partners or family members. So that means that every single day, 137 women around the world are killed by a family member or an intimate partner every single day. A woman is killed by someone who is supposed to love them every single day. Those are crazy numbers. And it's just so sad because, you know, so many, so many women are in situations and obviously, and I'm sure they, they want to get out, but sometimes you just, you know, you don't know how to get out, you know, because of fear, because of Mm -hmm. things like this that obviously do happen. And it just seems like there's such a double standard in many ways that it, it allows this type of violence to persist. You know, and that's something that I that I think we really should get into today. And we really need to address this, you know, this domestic violence. Yeah, agreed. And and the numbers themselves are staggering. But let's jump in and take a look at the facts of Dominique Dunn's life. So obviously, Dominique Dunn was more than a statistic. She was more than just a number. She was a person, a really promising actor from a prominent and beautiful family. And she actually grew up right in California, surrounded by the entire Hollywood scene. Right, Trevor? Yeah, not far from where I live and I'm sitting right now. Um, (laughs) So about uh, her family, Dominique's parents were Dominique Dunn, and he was an influential writer and producer. And then her mother was Ellen Dunn, who throughout the story, you'll hear us refer to her as Lenny. That was her Mm -hmm. nickname. So Dominic Dunn's brother was actually married to the celebrated writer Joan Didion, which is interesting. Mm. And growing up, Dominique Dunn was privy to all of these different famous Hollywood people, you know, through her family and through her dad. Yeah. And after she graduated from high school, Dominique decided to pursue acting. She was in a TV movie called Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, I saw a clip of it over the weekend. We watched, Yvette and I were together in San Francisco and watched an old episode of E! True Hollywood Story from the late 90s about Dominique. Mm. And ironically, she was beaten up and raped in that first movie. I mean, her character character was, you know. Yeah, her character was. And she also appeared in a number of shows like Lou Grant and Yvette's favorite, Fame. My favorite, Fame. Sorry. (laughs) And then she actually got her big breakout role playing the teenage daughter in Poltergeist, which was filmed in 1981 and came out in 1982. So if anyone knows who Dominique Dunn was, they probably know her from Poltergeist. It was a huge blockbuster hit. Yeah. And I guess all this story kind of takes place like right at the culmination of her new fame, right? Right. Right. But it's it's 1982 and she attends a party in Los Angeles like you know, many starlets do. And she meets John Sweeney. So Trevor, tell us who this guy is. Well, John Sweeney was a 27-year-old sous chef at a French restaurant called Ma Maison, which I assume was a French place. And it was just a super trendy restaurant at the time. 
So this is actually where Wolfgang Puck got his start back in the 70s and basically invented the whole California Nouvelle cuisine there. Uh, so it made sense that a current Ma Maison chef would be at this hip Hollywood party. Mm-hmm. And this is where he meets Dominique Dunn. So the two started dating and moved in together just a few months into their relationship. Right. And this is where we start to get a sense that things might not be okay. You know, they might not be so great. Mm -hmm. We have the sense that John Sweeney, you know, was head over heels for Dominique. Obviously, it seems like he was definitely more in love with her than she with him. Mm. And, you know, it his affections bordered on excessive jealousy and, you know, like hovering over her, so to speak. Um, and I, I know that feeling all too well, but anyhow, Rasha, I'll let you jump in here. Yeah. Um, an example of that, that hovering and, you know, jealous demeanor that John had towards Dominique. So one of Dominique's brothers, Alex, had told his parents of an incident that took place when like a fan came up to Dominique in a restaurant. Again, she had just come out with poltergeist. This particular fan happened to me male. He was, you know, fanning out over, oh my God, it's Dominique Dunn from Poltergeist. Yeah. And John Sweeney like freaked out. And when he saw this man talking to his girlfriend, Dominique, he became enraged. And Alex told his parents and he told the press, quote, he picked up the man and shook him. Sweeney's reaction was out of all proportion to the incident going on end quote. And Alex, Dominique's brother, called it scary. Yeah, of course. And I think like he, when I was reading this article, you know, I think he shook him and he actually like Mm -hmm. threw him like on a table. Like it was crazy. And her father, Dominic, had a similar experience. He was going to meet the couple for lunch and John and Dominique were running a bit late. And when they got there, It was clear that Dominique had been crying and her father could sense that there was a great deal of tension between the two. What he could see is that it's going to be really hard for her to get away from this man because he was that controlling. And he just said he had the feeling that he was just creepy. Yeah. And it kind of, it takes me back, right? I, I hadn't really thought about everything like that you and I have been through, right, Yvette, like over over the years until we were, Mm. you know, looking into Dominique's case. And it just makes me think about how violence against, you know, stereotypically, and the numbers show this, but how violence against women by their male partners is incredibly normalized by our society, right? So just when you were talking about how Dominique's dad, you know, saw like tears in her eyes, like, right. I can remember an incident when we were living together in LA and he shall remain nameless, but I, I moved, you know, from Portland to Los Angeles to be with, you know, mom and, and Yvette. And I brought along a boyfriend with me because this is before I came out at the age of 30 and I had been in an abusive relationship and I didn't even remember that until we were looking into Dominique and I was like, oh, shit, like I've been there. But I thought it was my fault. Yeah. First of all, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, although I like, I guess I'm not surprised. You know, I think it's just a thing men do and a thing yeah. women go through. And 
And I do think, you know, one of the good things here is that, you know, you both of you had each other and you had a family mm-hmm. environment where you could, you know, have each other's back. We had help. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And in the case of, you know, Dominique, it's it's interesting because she also had that, mm-hmm. um, but it ends up not being enough. And I think that's because this case, you know, John Sweeney, he he kind of is just too aggressive, right? Like, right. you know, he just keeps coming back. Um, and this is mm-hmm. something you see, I think, a lot in domestic mm-hmm. abuse is, you know, they, they don't know how to take no for an answer. They don't let right? go. Right. Yeah, they don't right. let go. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and Dominique's mother in this case kind of catches this on one occasion. Uh, there's one night where Dominique kind of flees to her mom's house in tears. And this is after a fight where John Sweeney was attacking her, pulling out clumps of her hair, supposedly. And uh, her mom gave this really kind of chilling quote where she says, he had such a terrible temper. He smashes furniture and throws dishes, (laughs) end quote. And so when Lenny Dunn, the mom, pointed out that Sweeney seemed dangerous, Dominique responded by saying, oh, he'd never hurt me. As though she herself has like internalized this idea that like this is just normal. Right. right? Yeah. Right. As if he hasn't hurt her already, in which yeah. we know that he has, but she's in her mind rationalizing, you know, what he's done. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that this makes me think about is we always ask why battered women just don't leave the relationships. You know, and I'll bet some listeners are shouting out right now, right? Leave him. Like, why didn't you leave him? But the fact of the matter is, it takes time, you know, to navigate out of those situations. And, you know, and especially in the situation with Dominique, like she didn't tell her parents. They just witnessed some things. Yeah. I don't think she even really accepted it herself, you know? Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. Just by that quote to her mom saying he would oh, never, he'd hurt, never me. hurt me yeah. you know like he's already hurt you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and when you are in an abusive relationship like your thoughts you know they they're all over the place just like yeah. me like i remember even having the conversation with Yvette a few days ago and i was like oh no like he, you know i was in his face like i made him hit me and she's like no, no. like no it doesn't matter what you say you know like i never hit him first you know like Yeah, no, there's no excuse, period. And oftentimes, like, you're so controlled or you're so traumatized or it's like, what is that? That syndrome where you end up like, Mm, thank you, Stockholm syndrome, where you end up, you know, in love with your abuser. Like, I think that might be what was going on here. And you think that, like, even like me, like, you think you deserve it. Yeah. When you don't. Yeah. No one deserves to be physically or abused in any way. But Yeah. Right. But I mean, the sad truth is that the situation with Dominique kind of just gets worse from here. And we'll talk about where this goes after we take a quick break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Okay, so it's 1982, and Dominique Dunn is caught in a relationship with her abuser, John Sweeney. It's in September of that year that a, another argument turned violent. Right. So this one takes place at the couple's house that they live at together. And supposedly, John Sweeney threw Dominique Dunn to the floor and started to choke her. Mm. And there was a friend staying with him at the time, and he remembers coming into the room after hearing what they described as, quote, loud gagging sounds. Mm. So at this point, after a bunch of back and forth, Dominique manages to escape out of the apartment. So there's a big scene where he runs outside and tries to throw himself onto the hood of her car as she's, like, pulling out of the driveway. Uh, Luckily, she does escape. And she is able to stay with her mother for the next few weeks. But, you know, she does break up with him at this point, understandably. Oh, good job, Dominique. Yep. So she asks him to move out. And after he moves out, she returned back to that apartment in West Hollywood and had the locks changed. And I just hate that that's not the end of her story. Right. This is probably where it should have ended, um, but it doesn't. It's now October and Dominique is at her house rehearsing with a coworker. She has just been cast in the new sci-fi TV show V with her co-star David Packer, and they're going through scenes together in her living room. So at one point, she's on the phone with a friend, and the operator cuts through to interrupt the call, and the person calling is John Sweeney. Right. So uh, at this time, Dominique says to her friend David, quote, oh God, it's Sweeney. Let me get him off the phone, end quote. And these are the last documented words we have from Dominique Dunn. Mm -hmm. So 10 minutes after John Sweeney, her violent ex-boyfriend, called Dominique Dunn, he showed up at her house because he was only walking distance from where they lived. Right, from the the restaurant. From the restaurant where he was at. Yeah. And we know what happened because David Packer which was her co-star from V, was there at the house. They were rehearsing the scene. And then you know who shows up. Right. So she first is talking to John, you know, through basically her, she had protection because she had that door. It was just kind of opened up a little bit because she had the latch on it. So she had that little layer of protection. But then she agreed to step outside and talk to John Sweeney while David just waits inside. And Trevor, this is where things got really bad, right? Yeah. So David Packer says he heard them start to argue from outside. And then he heard the sound of, quote, smacks, a scream, and then a thud. So he calls the police, but they first told him that Dominique's house is out of their jurisdiction. Wow. So David Packer gets really scared. He calls a friend. And leaves a message on this friend's answering machine saying, quote, if I die tonight, it was by John Sweeney, end quote. Ooh. So David Packer decides to leave the house through the back door and he walks down the driveway. And that is when he spotted Dominique unconscious and lying in the bushes with Sweeney kneeling over her. 
So they kind of lock eyes. There's kind of an understanding as to what's going on. Hmm. And Sweeney tells David to call the police, which he did. And I guess they come this time. So when the cops arrived, John Sweeney was standing in the driveway, his arms raised above his head. And he reportedly told them, quote, I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself, end quote. And he was arrested on the scene and charged with attempted murder. And isn't that a confession right there, you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a confession, you have a witness, you have a history of abuse. Right. I mean, this is all going to come into play later. But I mean, one interesting thing here, and Rasha, I know you have some feelings about this, is, you know, why didn't her co-star, David Packer, step in to do anything, right? He's just kind of left. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he heard the commotion outside and just decided to bail. Yeah. I mean, at least he called. At least he picked up the phone. But still, yeah. We do know what was going through his mind. He was scared. You know, he was Mm -hmm. scared for his life, but still, you know. Yeah. I mean, just it's possible, though, that, you know, Dominique would still be with us today had he just like intervened, you know. Right. Yes. He could have just even scared John off, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what the dynamic was, right? Yeah. Mm. I think that's interesting, too, is when he called 911 and they said that, you know, well, out of our jurisdiction, out of our jurisdiction, like, Mm. I mean, that's just crazy. We'll get somebody in the jurisdiction to get there, you know, like catch him over. Who who should respond to this then? Yeah. 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 You know, that wasn't David's fault in that sense. Mm -hmm. No, because, you know, David did the right thing. He called 911. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like a lot of failures that happen. um, But. At the end of the day, it's still primarily John Sweeney's yes. responsibility. Oh, yeah. He's the one that took yeah. Dominique's life. And right after that confession, Dominique was taken immediately to Cedar sinai Medical Center where she was placed on life support. And apparently, she was almost completely unrecognizable to her family. She had tubes everywhere. Her head was shaved and there was a large bolt that was screwed into her skull to help relieve some of the pressure on her brain because, you know, she was, we believe, strangled. And on her neck, her family could still see the bruises of the hand marks from John Sweeney's hands. As her father wrote after the fact, and this is a quote from the prolific Writer Dominic Dunn, quote, Mm -hmm. it was nearly impossible to look at her, but also impossible to look away, end quote. Yeah, you know, I read an article, and if you get a chance, read the article that uh, her father, Dominic Dunn, wrote. It's, It's so powerful. And, you know, he talks about this moment when they were going to the hospital and they were really worried about the mother, Lenny, because at the time Lenny was in a wheelchair. So they were worried that this would, you know, impact her health by seeing, you know, her daughter like this. And, you know, it was uh, Dominique, Lenny and the two brothers, uh, Alex and Griffin. And they opened the door and she was the one that he said was the strong one. Lenny? And Lenny was the strong mm. one. The boys, the men were just like, it just destroyed them, you know, to see their sister like that. But Lenny took Dominique's hand in hers and she just started talking to her. And this, 
this was a release, you know, for the family to kind of let go of that shock, you know, in that moment, right? And mm-hmm. just just speak to their sister. And as her father wrote, and this is a quote, we prayed for her to live, even though we knew that it would be best for her to die. Hmm. That's a hard thing to say for a parent. Right. On November 4th, just a few days after the attack, Dominique's family does agree to take her off of life support. They say goodbye to her for the last time and her organs are donated before her body is turned over to the coroner for the autopsy. And two days later, they held her funeral in Beverly Hills at a a beautiful Catholic church. And I even saw footage of the funeral and there were hundreds of people there and so many, you know, actors and producers and directors and all kinds of people who loved Dominique, this young 22 year old human who was taken from us too soon. And it's, it's so sad, right? Yeah, it's very sad. And again, you know, she was just, you know, at the peak, right, of of her career of, you know, completely, you know, thrusting into stardom. Um, mm-hmm. So like I said, I was just speaking about that article that Dominic Dunn had wrote from Vanity Fair, and this is after the trial. So now let's let's talk about this crazy trial and how it begins. Yes, it is quite a crazy trial, and that is exactly what we'll talk about after we take another quick break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. John Sweeney's trial is presided over by Judge Burton S. Katz. And it began August 1983, and it's, can I just say, it's dramatic from the beginning to the end. Yes, and the prosecutor actually placed a lot of emphasis on the time that it took for John Sweeney to strangle Dominique Dunn. In fact, he began by starting a stopwatch and having it run. And it was completely silent in that packed courtroom. And he let that stopwatch run for four minutes Mm. because essentially that is how long John Sweeney strangled Dominique Dunn. And that's how long it took for her to die because she essentially went brain dead when she was strangled by him in those four minutes. Think about that. Four minutes is a very long time. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is, is, Your intention has to be to kill her. 
if you are strangling her for that long? Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't premeditated, then probably, you know, I don't know, a couple seconds into it, you'd be like, oh, wait, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, oh, I'm God. killing her. But nope, he keeps going. He just mm-hmm. keeps, keeps, keeps going. Yeah. yeah, and that's the point that the prosecutor wanted to make in that courtroom. And this part is where... I'm going to get mad even thinking about it. Like, I can't even say the name Judge Katz and not be angry whenever I think about this. So the prosecutor brought in Lillian Pierce and Lillian was an ex-girlfriend of Sweeney's. And she testified really movingly about John's history of violent behavior towards his partner. Right, Trevor? Yeah. I mean, not that we needed Lillian Pierce's testimony to prove his guilt. Right, right. And that said, it should have and could have been the final nail in his coffin. So Lillian Pierce testifies that they had been together for two years and that on 10 separate occasions during that time, he beat her to some degree. Hmm. She had, quote, been hospitalized twice, once for six days, once for four days. Sweeney Hmm. had broken her nose, punctured her eardrum, collapsed her lung, and thrown rocks at her when she tried to escape from him. She had seen him, she said, foam at the mouth when he lost control mm. and smashed furniture and pictures. And as she spoke, the courtroom was absolutely silent, end quote. I mean, come on. Yeah. And so at one point during Pierce's testimony, uh, Sweeney became enraged listening to this. And so he jumped out of his seat and tried to escape out of the courtroom. So he was tackled by the bailiff and restrained in his chair. This is where things get weird, though, because the judge did really little to admonish or punish him in any way. Mm -hmm. He reportedly just told Sweeney that he knew how much pressure he was under, you know, like showing him sympathy, you know, and kind of like gave him a little slap on the wrist. Um, The other important thing to know about this testimony from Lillian Pierce is that the defense made a, a motion to not have the jury listen to that testimony. And Judge Katz allowed that to stand. So the jury wasn't actually in the room when Lillian Pierce gave that testimony about how abusive he was. And that is why Judge Katz pissed me off. Yeah. His career was ruined after this trial, and rightfully so. I mean, even in what you just said, Trevor, like, he was like, oh, you're okay. He was like, making sure that John Sweeney was all right after that horrific outburst. And then he doesn't let Lillian's testimony. He doesn't let the jury hear, jury hear. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, it's just crazy. That's like watching Law and Order, can I just say? <laughs> right. And you have the crazy guy, you know, on the stand who has an outburst. And it's like the judge would be like, you know, order in the court, order in the court, bailiff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like instead this judge is like, oh, it's okay. I know this is strange you know, stressing on you. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dominique's family is there. And Lillian Pierce is there, who was horrifically abused by him. Yes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like ridiculous. Right. So Sweeney's attorney makes another request that the judge again grants, which is that there is not sufficient evidence to charge Sweeney with first degree murder. And that the jury should only be allowed to consider charges of manslaughter and second degree murder. And the defense's reasoning for this was, quote, there is no premeditation or deliberation in this case, end quote. And again, 
Judge Katz agrees to do this. Like, what is up with this judge? You know, again, I go back to the article that Dominique wrote, and he writes about this judge. And from what I understand, like, he's a very arrogant, kind of almost like similar to John Sweeney, like in personality. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I'm sure they're buds. Right? Right. Exactly what I'm seeing, because, you know, it took four minutes, right, for her to die. He choked her out for four minutes. Mm. So that they just pretty much discounted that. And he gave a confession to the police. They discounted that. And the ex-girlfriend test, you know, testifies and the jury doesn't get to hear that. Yeah. I mean, this should have been a slam dunk case. I mean, yeah. they had everything you need everything. to convict someone of first degree murder, like literally everything, everything you could ever want mm-hmm. in a case. Everything, Trevor. It's so insane. And it makes me so mad even saying these words. The defense kept saying, oh, John Sweeney was just caught up in, quote, the heat of passion. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Yeah. No. F that. And they're saying that he was not aware of what he was doing. Okay. Again, you know, arguably, right, I, I have to say, like, I think this is part of rape culture, right? A lot of times men, you know, get away with rape or get away with violence or abuse because they're like, oh, they were just caught up in the moment. They couldn't stop themselves. They're not a wild animal. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sorry, but you absolutely can control your actions. And in those four minutes that John was strangling Dominique, he could have made that decision to stop. Yeah. And even if you like really can't control your emotions, like if you are literally foaming at the mouth, like supposedly John Sweeney was, that is no one else's responsibility. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Like you don't just get a free pass Right, <laughs> you know, from right. murdering someone because you can't control yourself, you know, you still need to be punished for that and learn lessons. And this guy doesn't, and no one ever gives him a chance to learn a lesson because he keeps getting off the hook. Yeah, and that's the toxic boys will be boys mentality, yeah. and I think that's what Judge Katz was perpetuating, and it's just disgusting. He was in that same fraternity because he's allowing mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's sickening. And, you know, it's just what happened to Dominique, it just jarred their entire family. Now they have to sit through this trial and watch this bullshit. Right. Yeah. It's pretty much a sham by this point and it doesn't get any better. So the jury deliberates for eight days and then lo and behold, they decide to acquit Sweeney of second-degree murder. Wow. And instead, they only find him guilty of voluntary manslaughter, as well as a small misdemeanor charge from when he attacked Dominique in September, the earlier incident in 1982. Hmm. In that courtroom, there was, I mean, an audible gasp of disbelief. This is years later, and we are still ourselves in disbelief. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine sitting there in that courtroom and hearing this nonsense? Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, going back to Dominic Dunn, the writer, he said, quote, the maximum sentence for the two charges is six and a half years. And with good time and work time, the convict is paroled automatically when he has served half his sentence (laughs) without having to go through a parole hearing. Since the time spent in jail between the arrest and the sentencing counted as time served, Sweeney could be free in two and a half years, end quote. WTF. Dominique's father, Dominic Dunn, was pissed. He was enraged. 
all Mm -hmm. the things. And he writes, quote, I could not believe I had heard Judge Katz thank the jury on behalf of my family for reducing the murder of my daughter to manslaughter. Not for our family, Judge Katz. I shouted, end quote. Damn straight, right? I mean, so John Sweeney is sentenced to six years in prison, and the jury foreman later said that if they'd heard Lillian Pierce's testimony, they would have convicted him of murder. So Trevor, John Sweeney was sentenced. What became of him? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't sentenced to a lot. So, Mm-mm. I mean, he went to a medium security prison and was released on parole after just three years. So almost exactly how Dominic Dunn predicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he then got hired as a head chef at a upscale restaurant in Santa Monica. And he was working under an assumed name, but Dominique Dunn's parents were able to find him and they drew these huge crowds out to protest outside <laughs> of the restaurant. Uh, so this drives Sweeney to quit the restaurant and eventually leave Los Angeles. So at one point, Dominic Dunn uh, goes through the process of hiring a PI, a private investigator, to track down Sweeney with the intent of having him killed. <laughs> wow. Um, but he does change his mind, thankfully. Yeah. So a, a dozen or so years later, he gets a call from a man in Florida who believes his own daughter is engaged to John Sweeney. Hmm. And Dominic Dunn tries to stop the wedding. Sweeney then accuses Dunn of harassing him. <laughs> okay. So... I believe this falls apart, but today, anyways, Sweeney is supposedly living under a different name, and Dominic Dunn says he has no idea where he is. So it sounds like John, or whatever his name is now, has essentially gone off the grid, gone into hiding, um, which is probably, I guess, the only option he had available to him at this point. A big takeaway here for me is that what happened to Dominic Dunn and others like her is inexcusable, plain and simple. But also, you know, we have to thank God, the goddesses, whoever you believe in, you know, we we have to look at the light in the, the darkness of this case. We have made progress since Dominique's murder. In 1994, the Violence Against Women Act was passed in reaction to the many, many crimes like this one. And it seems like it, or at least I hope, that we've made progress as a culture. But at the same time, it's not over yet. No, it's never over. And I would just like to say, like, back in the 80s, Lenny Dunn, Dominique's mom, she actually started her own group back then, and it was called the California Center for Victims of Homicide. So we fast forward, and we have the Me Too movement and all that continues to come to light about assault and women's inequality, it demonstrates that we have a long way to go and we will keep fighting and we will keep persevering. And this brings us to our Imua, our final message of hope and healing. So this week, our Imua is dedicated to victims of domestic and partner violence everywhere. That's right. Dominique Dunn was striving to move beyond one of the worst chapters of her life. And she didn't make it. But today, we lift her up. She was more than the worst part of her story. She was a bright, young, 
talented, beautiful human filled with hopes and dreams. So for those of you out there who have been abused, we see you. We cannot take away your pain, but we are holding you in the light and we want you to find your way out of the darkness. You are more than the worst thing that has ever happened to you. You are light, you are strength, and you are never alone. Onward and upward. Imua. Imua. Everyone deserves relationships free from domestic violence. If you're in danger, there are caring people who can help. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Well, that's our show for today. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's discussion and if there's a case you'd like for us to cover. Find us on social media at Facing Evil Pod or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. Until next time, aloha. Facing Evil is a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The show is hosted by Rasha Pecorero and Yvette Gentile. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on behalf of iHeartRadio, with producers Trevor Young and Jesse Funk. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV, alongside producer Tracy Kaplan. Our researcher is Claudia D'Africo. Original music by Makeup and Vanity Set. Find us on social media or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.